0: Good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor, and it's so good to have you guys with us here today on the first day of winter, so we are enjoying that this morning. We have no longer got transitional seasons. We go summer, winter, summer, winter, and so I'm looking forward to that for the rest of all time. Uh, Well, uh, today we are starting a brand new series called Simple Gospel, but before I get into that, uh, let me share something with you. In case you missed it, last week we made a major announcement at the Gathering Church. Beginning December 23rd. We will no longer be meeting at Rainbow Community School. Our church will be meeting at T.C. Robertson High School. Man, we're excited about this move. Yeah, come on. A couple of y'all get excited about it. That's all right. Um, let me tell you why. You see, this past spring at Easter, we had more than 400 people in attendance at the gathering church. Now our typical trend has been that however many folks we see at Easter, there's always more at Easter because people remember about church again, and however many people we see at Easter by December, that's our average weekly attendance. And so we realized this spring when we had that many here that this facility was not going to hold us for much longer. We ran out of parking uh, uh, 10 minutes before service started at both services. Our kids' ministries were so packed that we realized in our second service that if any more kids came, we were going to have to turn them away. Our auditorium was getting full. Uh, Our auditorium here has a capacity of about 150 adults, and between two services, we had more than 300 people in attendance. And so we were absolutely full. And now, as we approach that being our average, we are starting to feel it again. And so this past spring, we began a search process to find a new home for the Gathering Church. We, we've been everywhere that we could imagine, everywhere within city limits, a little bit outside of city limits, every facility this city has to offer. We've had a lot of heartbreak and, and been told no by a lot of people. We've thought, this is what we want to do. And then God said, that's not what I want you to do. And over and over again, we found uh, obstacle after obstacle trying to figure out where the Gathering would be moving to until the first time that we walked into T.C. Robertson High School. The moment we walked into T.C. Robertson High School, we felt the Spirit say, this is your new home. This is the next step for the Gathering Church. This is what is next for you. The staff at that school has been hospitable, kind, and welcoming to us from the very beginning. They've been accommodating. They are excited, as we are, for us to partner with them over the next coming years, and In fact, this facility has so much parking uh, that I would encourage you to stop carpooling. Every person may drive their own car in order to help our parking lots look fuller. We've got more kid space then we know what to do with. Let me tell you something at the gathering, we will never, ever, ever turn a child away. We will never tell them there's no room for you here. We don't just babysit in our kids' spaces. No, we tell kids that they were made by a father who has created them with a purpose. And we have got incredible facilities to do that in at T.C. At, at Robertson and and then finally, the auditorium has seating for more than 350 adults. We are so excited uh, just for, for what this means for the future of our church. We believe we'll be able to grow there for the next couple of years. And so we are so excited uh, for the future at the gathering at T.C. Robertson High School. Now, in order to do this move well, we're going to be raising $75,000. Now, this week, uh, we'll be emailing out a sheet with a clear breakdown of what the money's for. And we'll be going into a lot of detail about that here. I know there's a lot of you that are visiting and, and checking this out, and, and we 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 know you don't care about all those details. And so if this is your family, if this is your home, you can check your inbox for that this week. But the bottom line is that it's a bigger space, so in order to bring the same level of excellence that we do here at Rainbow, we're going to need to add a lot to the auditorium equipment, some to our classrooms for kids, to new signage, and we'll be needing to do some marketing in order to let people in our community know that the gathering is moving, and to let new people know that the gathering is here to stay. We're calling this the forward offering and it'll be on November 11th. Now, if you know me, if you know the gathering, you know we don't do a lot of fundraisers. We don't ask for money. In fact, I don't even want to ask you for money in this situation. Instead, I would ask you to ask God. Ask you to spend the next couple weeks praying about, fasting over, meeting with your family, just as our staff is with our families, about what your part will be in giving to this forward offering. Our Uh, online giving is already up. It's got forward offering in there. You can go online and give anytime, Uh, but we will be doing that in in service here on November 11th. We are excited about what the future holds, and we hope you'll partner with us. Now, today we're starting a brand new series called Simple Gospel. Here's what it looks like. It's just two weeks and two different, clear, as simple as I can make them, presentations of what the gospel message is. This week, I want to kind of talk about the theology of the gospel. What is the gospel? What does it mean? Why why do we keep using that word? I want to talk about the theology of the gospel. Next week, I want to make it personal. So today is, is titled, Why Jesus? Next week is titled, Why Me? I want to spend a little bit of time next week sharing my story and talking about why Jesus is so important in my life. And today, we're going to break down a little bit of why he's important for all of us. Here's why this matters, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Here's what you need to know. When you live your life following Jesus, you're going to transform and change. He calls you to find freedom, to discover your purpose, and to make a difference. And what that looks like to other people in your lives is hope lived out loud. What they're going to see in you is the hope they've been searching for all of their lives. And so people will ask you about the hope that you have. And when you live your life in worship, that's what it means to revere Christ as Lord, to live your life in worship, in wonder of Him. His goal is that we would have a clear answer To give them when they ask. And so I want to simplify it. I think a lot of times we think this message that the church brings is complicated. We think it's filled with a lot of things that we can't understand, but I believe the message is simple, and I want to simplify it for us this morning. If you already follow Jesus, I hope this series encourages you and reminds you of the gift you've been given and gives you clarity around how to communicate about the hope you have. But if you don't follow Jesus, I hope that through the next couple weeks, that you will. I hope that over the next couple weeks that you'll learn who he is, why he came, and exactly what it means for you. So here's the gospel in very simple terms. If I had to put it in one sentence, it would be this. Because of Jesus, we can have real relationship with God. And I mean personal relationship. I mean the kind of relationship that a child has with the father. The kind of relationship that one person has with another. You see, God created us to have relationship with Him. When you were made, you were created with two needs. Both of them are relational needs. One is the need for relationship with the Father. And the other one is the need for the relationship with others, with people. And that's fulfilled in the church. You see, we're all searching to fill these needs. We're looking everywhere that we can. We're searching high. We're searching low. We're looking in people. We're looking everywhere to fill these needs that we have. But those needs could only be filled by real relationship with God. And out of that relationship comes freedom from the sin, the shame, and the guilt you've carried your whole life. Out of that relationship Comes a realization that you were made for more, that you were made to do work in relationship with the Father for it, with an assignment to do that would glorify Him and serve others. And when you start living in that life that He's created you to live, you will find the satisfaction that you have so desperately searched for your entire life. So let me break it down a couple ways for us this morning. Our goal is that you would begin to understand that because of Jesus, in the words of Ephesians 1.18, that we would begin to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers. So number one, God created us to be in relationship with him. From the very beginning, this was the plan. That God and man would be in relationship together. God created man. To be in relationship with him, working with him, worshiping him. That's what we were made to do. See, I think a lot of our lives are spent trying to figure out why. What's our why? Why are we here? What's the meaning of all of this? What what do I exist for? And the answer is very simple. We were made to exist in relationship with God and with people. Relationship is the why. We see it in Genesis, in Genesis 2.15, 2, in the story of God creating man, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God and man working alongside one another in relationship with a purpose. Over and over again, we see God pursuing relationship with us. Genesis, God makes a promise with Abraham To be in relationship and to to make him a nation of people in relationship with God. In Exodus, God calls his people to live with him in freedom forever. In Leviticus, he sets up guidelines to help avoid the things that separate us from God. It's always about relationship. From the very beginning, it was always about relationship over and over Throughout the Old Testament, we see God initiating and stepping in to have relationship with His creation. And as humanity, we feel this need for relationship with God. We spend our whole lives trying to figure out how to fill this need. But there is a barrier that stands between us and the relationship that we were made to have. In the very beginning... God gave man a gift, free choice, the ability to choose. And with that choice, God gave access, access to knowledge of good and evil. You see, God's desire was that we would use free choice to avoid that knowledge because the more man knows of evil, the more man will choose the things that separate us from God. But God gave man the choice and man chose knowledge. In Genesis chapter 3, as it tells the beginning of the story between the relationship between God and man, there's the story of the serpent and Eve and Adam eating from the only tree in the garden of Eden that God told them not to eat from. And from that moment forward, sin stood between man and God. See, sin is this church word that's kind of We get a little bit off put by the word sin. You know, maybe if you were raised Catholic. Think about the seven mortal sins, or or if you were raised in a conservative environment, you think about a pastor leaning over a pulpit, yelling at you about sin, and it makes us feel a little bit nervous inside when we think about sin, or maybe you don't think about yourself in the context of sin. Sure, you've made a few mistakes, but what is sin? That sounds like something really serious, but all that sin is, that the Bible talks about over and over again, this idea of sin, sin is just choosing things that move us further from God instead of closer to God. You see, sin is just living the life that God has not created us to live. Sin is just the thing that chips away a little bit at our souls, at at the things that make us feel whole. Sin is the things that we try to use to fill these needs that God created us with for relationship. We try to replace it with things that are sin instead, and as a result, we only feel emptier and emptier. Sin enters the story with this choice. And we choose them often. And I've often wondered why God did that. Why did God give us this choice? I mean, why put that tree in the garden in the first place? Couldn't he have put some barbed wire around it? Couldn't they have had just one little barbed wire fence in the Garden of Eden to keep us from it? Wouldn't it have been better if he just would have created a perfect world with no sin? And therefore, no evil, no brokenness, no pain? Why would he plant that tree there? The answer is very simple. It's because God wanted real relationship with us. And real relationship requires choice. God wanted real love from us. And real love requires choice. You see, God could have taken away the ability for us to choose to love anything else, but He did not because He wanted our desire for Him to be real and to be genuine. If God were to take the choice away, He would be bringing us into a forced relationship or a forced love, and a forced relationship is an abusive relationship, and our God is not an abusive God. He wanted to give us the ability to choose Him, but the problem is, too often, We choose otherwise. Sin got in the way. This thing standing in between us and the one who made us is sin. And from the very beginning, God made it clear that sin would separate us from God. That the outcome of sin, the the sin had to be punished. And And the penalty for sin would be death and separation from the one who desires relationship with us. But there's good news. Because God made a way. God made a way. See, God showed grace through acts of redemption from the very beginning of the story. Now, maybe one of the ways you've complicated the gospel... Is that when you look at the Bible, you believe that there's Old Testament God and New Testament God, and that they're very different. It's kind of like the change that happens to your parents when they become grandparents, right? It's like when you were a kid, everything was all discipline. You know, you had to go to bed at 7 p.m., and if you showed your face out of that door, your face was removed from your body, you know? <laughs> But then you send your kids away to stay with mom and dad, and you come in at 11 p.m., and they're just hanging out saying, hey, what's going on? And you're like, where were these people when I was being raised, you know? Something happens when you become a grandparent, people change, right? And we just look at the God of the New Testament as grandparent God, and we look at the God of the Old Testament as mom and dad God. But it's not like that. There's no difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. God's name is Yahweh. Yahweh means I am, which means I am the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. God never changes. You see, in the Old Testament, what we what we see a lot of times is just God's wrath. And we think the Old Testament is just filled with all these stories of God's wrath. But what you're missing is that those, those stories aren't stories about God's wrath. They're stories about God's redemption. You see, over and over again, the narrative of the Old Testament is this. God gives man choice. Man chooses not God. God punishes God. The sin, and then he reaches in with redeeming grace and says, Come back into relationship with me. And man comes back into relationship with him, and then all of a sudden, man chooses not God again, and God punishes the sin, and then he reaches back in with redeeming grace and says, Come back into relationship with me. And it goes on and it goes on over and over, and then God gives the law and he says, Just live this way. And we won't have any more problems. We can be in relationship with one another. But the problem was, all the law did was show us how bad we are at following rules. And over and over again, man breaks the law and God gives more chances at redemption. You see, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are one and the same. And from the very beginning, it was always about Jesus. He was coming. From the beginning of the story, God knew that there had to be a change that he was going to have to make a way, that we weren't going to be able to do this on our own, and that he was going to have to step in on our behalf. He started to reveal that this was his plan all the way in Genesis, even with Adam, but even outside of Adam, in the story of Abraham and his son. See, Abraham had a son named Isaac, and God said, Abraham, I want to test how much you love me. I want you to sacrifice your son to me. So Abraham brings his promised son, his only son, the, the person he loves the most in the world, up onto an altar on a mountain and prepares to make this sacrifice. But just before he sacrifices his only son, who he dearly loves, God stops him and says, wait, I would never ask you to do that. Instead, I'm going to provide a lamb for you. And you see, that was Jesus. That was the first time we see a clear picture of what God was prepared to do for us, to get in the way, to step out and make a way for us to heal relationship. You see, God knew that when given the choice, we would not always choose that which is good. But his desire for relationship with us was so great, is so great, that he just couldn't leave things up to us. So he sent Jesus. In in the Old Testament, in order for uh, man to make up for sin... In order for us to make up for the sin that we would inevitably commit over and over again, the priests of the Old Testament would make a sacrifice on our behalf. See, a person would bring their best lamb or livestock and their, or their best crops and something that is pure and clean and our absolute best, and we would give it to God as a sacrifice that would take our place and take the penalty of death that sin requires. This is called atonement. You ever hear the word atonement in the church? It's just a fancy word that means replacing you for something else. It's allowing something else to take your place and your penalty. That's atonement. But this system of atonement was always just a band-aid. It didn't really lead to a relationship. It made it possible for us to approach God. But relationship isn't built on approach. Relationship is built on presence. And and with this system of atonement, we could never enter into the presence of God. Because even though this sacrifice would give us grace for the sins behind us, there were sins ahead of us that would separate us from God again. And so his presence couldn't remain. And so his his presence couldn't exist in us yet. So it remained in the temple. There was a, a curtain in the temple that was six feet thick that separated the presence of God from the people of God. And they could approach God in worship, but they could not dwell in His presence. And this was a problem because our God is a relational God who desires relationship, not approach. And so He had to make a way. There needed to be one sacrifice that was so complete, so full, that an atonement that was so perfect that it would cover every sin behind us and every sin. Sin in front of us. Now I was going to read you from John and it it tells us this. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made and without him nothing that was made, uh, that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Because I want you to know that Jesus isn't just offspring of God, he is God. You see, in theology, this gets a little bit messy when we start talking about the Trinity, but it's actually pretty simple. There's one God, and he has three different sides, three aspects. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, if you, if you grew up dancing in church, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the Holy Ghost. And so we're going to find out which one's preaching this morning in just a minute. And these are the same part of the same God, and and John reminds us that the Word, who was Jesus, is God, and that God said, I want relationship with you so desperately, I am going to step into the picture. And he became human, just like me and you, and he walked, and and he breathed, and he got thirsty, and he got hungry, and he was tempted in every way that we are tempted, but he remained pure. Pure. His whole life, he never sinned once. He was the very, very best of us. A perfect living sacrifice. He was and is God, and he was human. And so he was the perfect one to be the complete atonement for our sins. And I was going to just read you all of this John chapter 1, but the Holy Spirit told me this morning that I wrote down the wrong verse. And so I want to read from you from Isaiah chapter uh, 53 or 52. Um, Let's see, I think I might have turned the page. Isaiah chapter 53, where it talks about Jesus, and, and this is the prophet, this is 800 years before Jesus was ever born, but he starts to talk about him through prophecy. He says, he grew up before them like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire. him. the Bible says that Jesus humbled himself to become like us. He came to the earth and And he was nothing special. People didn't follow him because he was good looking. It wasn't obvious that he was God. When you would look at him, he looked normal because God wanted us to understand that he wasn't the kind of God that would call us up to the place that he exists. He is the kind of God that would step into the place where we already are. And say, I want to make a way for you that is easy for you. I want to make a way for you that is approachable for you. I want to make a way for you that is accessible to you. And it said, it says, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Every choice that we have ever made that has separated us from God was lived out in Jesus's life. All the times we've turned from him and said, I want something else, not you. This can't be right for me. I don't need God. I'm fine on my own. I can make it on my own. I can fill these gaps on my own. Jesus lived it out with the people that would reject him, that would say, I don't need you. I'm I don't believe in you. I can't follow you. You're asking too much from me. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And By his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray Each of us has turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In John 1, 16, it says, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of the grace already given. You see, God kept giving grace all throughout the Old Testament, but we just kept needing more. And so God gave literally everything he had to give. He wouldn't ask Abraham to sacrifice his son, but God would sacrifice his one and only son. He would provide the lamb for the sacrifice. We would no longer need this system of sin and grace and sin and grace. Instead, God would give him grace. He would offer us Jesus in place of all of that so that he would be grace in place of the grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is Himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. God made a way for us to have relationship with Him. He became the sacrifice. So that's the beauty of the gospel. It's good news because we didn't have to do anything. See, God asked us to do the work. For a long time, it was we were just trying our very best, but God knew that our best was never going to get us close enough to Him, and He wanted us not just to approach him, but to be in relationship with him. And so the only way for us to have presence was for himself to become the sacrifice for us. We deserved the punishment, and God took the punishment on our behalf. That's the good news. Here's what Jesus did. He died on the cross for our sins. He became the atoning sacrifice. He took our place, and once and for all, he made it possible for us to have forgiveness. He sent the Holy Spirit to to live in us forever because that is what presence looks like. Let me explain. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, says that at the moment that Jesus died on the cross, at the moment he took all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our sin on himself, and we were made new, we were washed clean, we were forgiven. In that moment, the temple in the curtain, the curtain in the temple that separated a, the presence of God from the people of God, was torn in half from top to bottom, as if God himself reached down and ripped it up and said, my presence now lives with my people. See, we don't have to just approach God. We get to live in his presence forever because our God desires a relationship with us. That's the good news. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that we could live in the presence of God. The moment that Jesus died, he made it possible for us to have relationship with God completely because since our sin was now completely forgiven forever, we could dwell in his presence forever. So relationship is restored. And when you enter into relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit joins with your spirit and you get to experience the presence of God right where you are and live in a personal relationship with him. You see, the gospel... Is a story of a loving father who, when you can't get to where he is, he comes and meets you right where you are. And the good news gets better because once Jesus crucified and was crucified and died for your sins, three days later he walked out of the grave having beaten death, and he is still alive, and one day we will be alive with him. We get to go on living forever because of the sacrifice of Jesus. John 3.16, as quoted by Tim Tebu, goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God made a way. Jesus is the way. Romans Chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, sums up the gospel like this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He reached out to us before we ever reached out to him here's what this means for us. Number one, relationship can be restored. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. You can know God personally. Like a father knows a child and maybe I don't know what, maybe this has always been hard for you to understand, this idea of God the Father, because maybe your father was less than perfect. Maybe he wasn't present. Maybe you never knew your father, or maybe the father that you knew wasn't loving. Maybe he wasn't the kind of father to get down and and get on your level and wrap his arms around you, but you need to know that you were created to have a relationship with a perfect father. The kind of father who, when you are hurting, wants to get down on one knee, look you in the eyes and say, tell me where it hurts, tell me how I can help. The kind of father who wants to say, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what you've done, you're mine and I love you and I want you here. This is who he is. He is a perfect and loving father who desires relationship with you. Jesus summed it up pretty well in a story, a parable in Luke chapter 15. It says, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided it up between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. You see, this gift that we have this freedom that we have, it exists. It's there for us. It's ready for us. But a lot of times, what we do is we say, "I can, I can figure this out on my own. I can, I don't, I don't want to know God or find freedom. I would rather know me and find fame. I don't need a purpose. I need a position. I don't need, a, I don't need a purpose. I need a platform." And we go out and we search for who we want to be, and we try to fill these gaps, these needs that we have. For God, with all these other things, whether it's people and relationships with people, and we, we depend on them to fill the gap that only God can fill, and so ultimately those relationships buckle under the pressure. Or maybe it's a job, or it's money, it's fun, maybe it's wealth, maybe, maybe, maybe you just like to have power over people, and you've been searching for that your whole life, and it always just leaves you feeling more and more empty. You see, no matter what, when you run from God, when you take the gift of freedom He's given you, you take it away. It always leads to a moment of brokenness, a realization that things aren't working, that something's got to give, that you need more, that you, you need something, that, that this isn't bringing you the meaning you thought it would, the satisfaction you thought it would. It's not bringing you the peace you thought it would. And, and sometimes we go looking for more, and sometimes we try to fill with other things, Sometimes we say, maybe God's the answer. And it says that after he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. He hit his moment of need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he was so hungry, he wanted to eat pig food. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. So I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and went to his father and he's rehearsing this speech. You see, sometimes we look at all the different ways we've tried to Fill our lives with God, with with, with fill the whole, the, the need we have for relationship with God with other things. And we look back at all the mistakes we've made and we're filled with shame. We're filled with guilt and we just think, What was I thinking? And we, we want to go back to God, but we don't know if He'll receive us. We don't know how He could. We don't see how He could ever look at us the same again. And so we rehearse our speeches. We 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 tell ourselves you know, maybe he'll just take me back a little bit. Maybe I can go to church, but I don't need to get in a life group because I'm not, I not—I don't deserve that yet. I need to get my life right first. Or, or maybe I can go to church, but, but I, I, I shouldn't probably join the dream team because I shouldn't be a part of what's going on there yet. Or maybe I can watch church online because I shouldn't be in the presence of these people, but I just need a little bit. Maybe we start to rehearse our speeches of what we're going to say when we come into the presence of the Father. And that's what the son is doing. He's rehearsing it over and over again. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Do you know why his father saw him when he was a long way off? Because his father had been looking for him. He had been waiting for him. He had been searching for him. And while he was a long way off, his father began to run to greet him. It's said that he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son began to say the speech. Father, I've, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father put his finger over his mouth like this. He said, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. He said, I don't need, I don't need all that. I don't need your excuses. I don't need your reasons. Stop your speech right now. Somebody go get the fattened calf. Somebody get, get his, my best robe. Throw it around and put my ring on his finger. Listen, we're having a party tonight because my son is home. My son is home. You see, the father just wants to celebrate because he has been waiting for the moment his son would come home. You need to know relationship can be restored. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to get your life right before you get into relationship with God. You don't have to have a speech prepared. You've just got to cross the field. And he will bring about a celebration on your behalf. The the, the last part of this story. It says the, the, the other son got a little bit jealous and it says, my son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours, but we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and now he is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. See, because of Jesus, we get to run into the arms of the Father and be, great, be greeted not with blame or questioning or a list of everything we've done wrong. We get to be greeted with a celebration, with a feast, with a warm embrace because we're made new and relationship is restored. Second, and this is the good news, sin is forgiven. All of it, completely, 100%. You don't have to live with it anymore. Do you know what grace is? Grace isn't earned, bought, or bargained for. Grace is given freely out of compassion and goodness. Grace is what Jesus gives us on the cross. It's not partial. It's not with conditions. It's complete and unconditional. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. You can't out-Christian your friends. It doesn't work like that. It's a gift. God gives it to us freely the minute that we start walking towards Him. He says, no, I don't need your excuses. I don't need your speech. You don't have to earn my forgiveness. I've given it to you. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Sin is forgiven. It goes like this. Romans chapter 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person chooses things that do not bring us closer to God. We all sin. We all do it. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. See, we all have this penalty hanging over us that we deserve separation from God because of the choices that we've made. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, You will be saved. All you've got to do is believe. And just like that, your past is behind you. You can walk away from the shame. You can leave your guilt at the door. You are forgiven. There was a chasm between you and God that you simply could not bridge, but Jesus laid a cross over it like a bridge, and now you can enter into his presence and be in a relationship with the one who made you. In Colossians, it says he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You don't have to live in the darkness anymore because of Jesus, you get to walk into the lights. Just like that, our past is behind us. And the best news yet is this. Number three is the gift is eternal. It's eternal. It never goes away. It never changes there is more to this life than this life. John 5 24 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. All of life is moving in one direction. Everything in creation is moving from life to death. We're all on our it's everything we see is on its way. Fall is a reminder that things turn different colors and then they die. We just see it. We see it all around us. We, we, we see people on this journey where they just kind of, they start young and they just get older and they, and they try to gather enough to get older comfortably and they try to leave a little legacy behind and, and then they disappear. And then another generation comes up behind and we're all just moving from life To death, and it's a struggle, and it's hard, and it makes us feel like something's missing. And Jesus says, I don't want you to just move from life to death. What I want to do is reverse the process for you. Instead, you were dead, and I'm going to make you alive again. You were already dead in your sins. You were empty, you were broken, you were feeling lost, you were feeling without hope. And what I want to do is I want to restore your hope. Where you were broken, I want to put the pieces back together. Where you were feeling hopeless, I want to whisper hope into your heart again. Where you were feeling like you were just not enough, I want to assure you that I will be there and we together will be enough. Where you were feeling like there will not be a good day ahead of me in my future, I want to assure you that I'm not moving you from life to death, I'm moving you from death to life, that you will never taste death. You will never know what it looks like, what it feels like. It doesn't need to motivate you. It doesn't need to scare you because I am erasing it from existence. We will move from death to life. It doesn't end here. A day is coming. A day without brokenness or pain or war, without evil or sin or conflict. It's all going to end. And we will get to live on forever in the world that God intended it. Revelation gives us a glimpse of this hope. John writes, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any seas. Bad news for fishermen. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Why? Because he's always just desired relationship. So that's the gospel. The gospel is about God creating man to have relationship with him, to worship him, to work with him. And the man broke it. God gave us a lot of different chances, little grace moments here and there, opportunities to come back. And when it became clear that we could never earn our way back to his goodness, he said, then I'll send my goodness to you he said, "Then I'll come to where you are. I'll make a way. Whatever I have to do, I'll make a way. I'll go to the cross. I'll be spit on. I'll be. I'll be. I'll suffer. I'll be tortured. I'll do it. And then I'll beat death, so that we can be together forever. I will make my place among the people, and I will dwell with them. And they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death." or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Do you need to be made new this morning? Do you need everything that is old to pass away? Do you need the, the old order of things to pass away? What's been the old order for you? Has it been a constant struggle of trying to Fill this need that you have for relationship with other things have you been searching down this spiritual pathway or this relational pathway or this money pathway and and everywhere you look all it leads to is more pain more death more emptiness and you're just wondering is there more to this life god wants to make everything new he wants the old things to pass away the old ways to pass away he doesn't want you to have to struggle anymore He doesn't want you to have to wonder anymore. He doesn't want you to have to lay in bed at night and wonder why anymore. He wants to give you a why. He wants to tell you, I am making everything new, and that includes you. I will make you new again. Do you need to be made new today? Do you feel like like you need a fresh start, like a new beginning? Because just like the prodigal son, God will just come running across the field. He doesn't need excuses. He doesn't need reasons, he just needs relationship. He just wants to be in relationship with you. I am making everything new and then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So to the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all of this and I will be their God and they will be my children. That's the message of the gospel. That you can have a relationship with a Father who has wanted you your whole life. Some of us go through life wondering if we're wanted. Wondering if we're needed. Wondering if if anybody desires us. And we try to fill it. We search everywhere high and low just trying to fill these needs. And God is just saying, I've been here all along. I've been waiting for you. I created you for this. Those needs you have, I put them there because I want you because I desire you. I want you to come into relationship with me. In the end, it's all just going to be me and you living in relationship together. You see the curtain is torn. My presence isn't held in the temple. I want to send my presence to you. He is a God of relationship, and He wants to restore relationship with you today. That's the message of the Gospel. Listen to me. This is why we do what we do. I I will not stop declaring this truth until I have no more breath left in me. I will keep declaring this message. I will keep leading people into this relationship. I will keep helping people find freedom, discover their purpose, live the life they were made to live with every breath that I have until every person in this city knows the name of Jesus and walks into the relationship he restored for them. That's why we're going to T.C. Robertson. It doesn't have anything to do with just trying to attract a bigger crowd. It doesn't matter what side of town it is on. I, honestly, I just need to keep spreading this message. I need people to know relationship has been restored. You can be made new. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are, God, and, and what you've done for us. God, thank you for stepping in and changing the status quo. God, for for making a way for us to be forgiven once and for all. God, for making a, a way for us to have relationship, God. Thank you for finding me when I needed you the most. Thank you for coming to me when I felt empty and broken and lost. When I was wondering if there was any meaning, God, thank you for reaching down and saying, I'm right here. You don't have to reach up anymore. I want to pick you out of the ground right where you're at. God, thank you for for bringing relationship into my life in a way that I can understand it. God, thank you for restoring the gifts that you've given me, for calling me to a greater purpose, God. Father, I just ask that for every person in this room, God, that you you would lead us down that same journey, that you would restore relationship with us, that, God, you would help us to find freedom from these chains, God, that you would help us to to discover a purpose, Lord, that you made us with, that, Lord, we could go right back to Genesis 2.15, back in the garden, working with our Father. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand up with me? Now listen. If you're in here this morning and you've, you've not made this decision yet, maybe you're still... You've been walking down all these different paths, trying to fill these gaps that exist in your heart, trying to, trying to fill this need for a relationship with, with so many different things. And maybe, maybe you've been wondering if there's more, if there's meaning, if, if all of this leads anywhere, if there's, if there's a reason for it. I want you to hear today that the answer is yes. There's a reason. And the reason is to have relationship with the one who made you. Don't miss this opportunity today, you see. I believe that the Holy Spirit begins to whisper into our hearts the day that we're born that we're His. And there's these moments that come along in our lives where He's not whispering, He's screaming. And He's just saying, today's your day. Let's not, let's not wait any longer. I can see you coming over the horizon. I'm running to you. Let me throw a celebration for you. Today you can be home. And so if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to pray with me. Now, I want to invite you to make a decision to enter into a relationship with Jesus. This prayer that we're going to pray, this doesn't save you. This isn't like, this isn't it. You don't just pray the prayer and then go back to life as normal. No, it's kind of like a wedding vow. You see, my wedding vows, they aren't what make me married. What makes me married is that every day I wake up and I decide to devote myself to my wife. And in the same way, this prayer is just your moment to declare to God, I commit myself to you forever. I want this relationship. I need it. I want to be made whole in it. I want to be made new in it, God. I commit myself to you. That's what it is. It's a beginning. Would you begin with me this morning? If you're ready to make that decision, would you pray this prayer with me? Everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. Let's do this together. Heavenly Father, I give myself to you completely. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for making a way for me. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for for beating death in the resurrection. I confess that my sins are many and that I need you, Lord. I give myself to you. I want to be in relationship with you from this day forward. This is just the beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Listen, what the Bible says is that every single time one person, just one person makes the decision to walk from death to life, to to start moving forward in relationship with Jesus, all of heaven breaks out in celebration because you've been found. What was lost has been found. What was dead is alive again. Kill the fattened calf. It's time for a party. And so we want to celebrate with you. Yeah. Don't do this alone. This is, listen, you got two needs. One is for God. The other is for the church that he gave you. We want to be in relationship with you. Come alongside you.